0: Hello
1: and welcome yeah. <laughs> to
0: Symphony Podcastique.
1: Yeah, I think that's really the best, I think it's the best one for this. Yeah. I think it's the best name we got. I think we're yeah. not going to be any punnier than that.
0: No, 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 We tried a bunch. is a symphony
1: podcastique.
0: Yeah, a music podcast um, with two hopefully witty music majors.
1: We hope. We we'll try. see
0: about that. Um, I'm Emma.
1: And I'm Caleb.
0: Uh, we are both students at Carnegie Mellon University. Yes, and
1: we are also both voice majors, which is probably worth saying.
0: Yes, and conductors, so. voice majors
1: and conductors. Yeah. And this is gonna be... Our podcast, where we talk about lots of things. Lots of things. And it's great that we decided to call it Symphony Podcastique, because we're not going to talk about a symphony today, <laughs> or Berlioz.
0: Or or that but, piece whatsoever, not but... Not today. We may later,
1: and Berlioz, I mean, whew, what a guy. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. We'll
0: find a title for the episode somehow organically through yes. this, but yeah. But yes,
1: but so we are both yeah, students at Carnegie Mellon, and... If you're listening not from Carnegie Mellon, welcome. Wow! Um, we are going to start, I think, with probably the most... I
0: would say the, accessible.
1: Accessible is probably pretty good, or mm-hmm. just like commonly first opera, mm-hmm. I think, for anyone.
0: Wagner, right? right? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, we're going to do the whole <laughs> ring cycle today. Here we go, The whole boy. Thing.
1: Um, no, we're going to start with Mozart's Die Zauberflöte, the yes. magic flute, um, since it is very close to many of our hearts. Um, that's just a
0: bread and butter. It's a
1: bread and butter, that's per- That's right. And we also performed it here last year at CMU, did. Uh, for those of you who were in it or just came and saw it. It was a lot of fun. It was a pretty standard interpretation of the magic flute. I, I would say.
0: say so. I mean, like, I feel like... As far as, and we'll get into <laughs> strange settings later, but um, I feel like, you know, setting, it's kind of unclear necessarily where it's set, but there's also this kind of general, we know what we're doing. Like. Yeah, it's
1: this like mystical sort of thing. I always love the festivals that do, they do Magic Flute or during their festivals. And you won't see what they've announced for the festival, but all you see is just a picture of just a guy who looks like a wizard, and you go, "Oh, I know what we're doing." <laughs> and this like a
0: giant moon and a sun. like a
1: giant moon in the sun. <laughs> and, and, like, a sun. And they're like, "Oh, it looks like we're doing Magic Flute this year." <laughs> um, but uh, it was the last opera he ever wrote, and it was for the basically kind of community theater, I would say.
0: Well, it's Zingspiel. And for those of you who don't know, Zingspiel is essentially German musical theater. Yeah. Um, And it has developed into a lot of things. Like, Wagner has said that a lot of his shows are inspired from Zingspiel, but... (laughs) uh, um, So, Zingspiel, essentially, German musical theater, German operetta. It has dialogue, usually... Um, and it's supposed to be more for the people, it's supposed to be more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's exactly what the show is. It's like.
1: basically in its brightest, truest form, a seventeen nineties musical.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's you got scenes, and then you got it mm-hmm. then you got a little tune, yeah. the tune's catchy, and then the tune's over, and then you mm-hmm. do the next scene It
0: was the Hamilton of the was, time.
1: Yeah. I think <laughs> There's maybe there's a better like not the subject on a bigger,
0: not on a bigger scale but
1: I don't know that it definitely was a, a probably an equivalent size hit yeah that yeah uh, maybe I wonder if there's like a uh, maybe the cats because cats is uh, mythical. No. Although I'm not nearly as big of a fan never, as never,
0: ever, ever <laughs> compare any Mozart opera Mozart, to an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical <laughs> ever again. Caleb. this podcast will stop now if you do it oh,
1: again. No. Okay, I apologize <laughs> um, to all your hardcore Andrew Lloyd Webber fans out there. Um, but... <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it was a big hit in 1791, and then Mozart died, which I, I think was one of the reasons why it became an even bigger hit. Well, yeah,
0: because people
1: love, love dead just, people stuff. People love <laughs> dead people stuff, especially when it's good. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we should probably tell the the masses uh, what it is about, or yeah. what what I I guess it's about, because that's. <laughs> It's kind of weird at first glance, especially for people who haven't seen it before. Yeah,
0: no, it, um, yeah. So, Magic Flute starts with a very iconic overture, very iconic. Which
1: we'll get to yes, later. Yes, and very it's um, it's a very, it's a, it's a fairy tale basically. In, yeah. a, in essence, it is a fairy yeah. tale opera, and it talks about. uh... It's a story for kiddos. Yeah, it works very well for kids. And it's a really good thing if you're a kid to see it as your first opera.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but um, starts off with a prince on the run from a monster. From
0: a giant snake.
1: Our prince is Tamino, who we will dig into all the characters <laughs> later for a certain. But he runs in crying for help because he's pursued (laughs) such
0: a hero such a hero so much of a hero in fact that he sees this giant snake and then swoons. he
1: swoons and passes out (laughs) in the face of death and he is saved at the last moment by three heroic ladies um who
0: immediately see them and they're like you fine (laughs) yeah they immediately
1: fall in love with tamino and they all fight over him about which one will get to stay with him as the other two go to inform their boss the queen mm-hmm. that they've uh, they've come across this prince and they have a cute little trio and they're very and they're very funny they can steal a show
2: yeah um
1: but the uh the ladies run off and they're the servants to the queen of the night who uh, we will come back to but mm-hmm. in the meantime we meet the
0: the lovable the, the
1: lovable and relatable Papageno who is the local bird catcher Yay. and he
0: sweet bird boy <laughs>
1: sweet bird boy stumbles across Tomino um and they have their first scene together and Tomino you know having his last his last image being the serpent on top of him <laughs> thinks that Papageno has killed the serpent which of course he <laughs> lies about
0: Papageno's like hell yeah I did. yeah he's like
1: yeah that was me And then the three ladies come back, and they all play a joke on Papageno, and then they introduce themselves to him and say that that he's been chosen to go on this quest for their boss, the Queen of the Night, who comes in and tells Tamino about her horrible circumstance, that her daughter, Pamina, has been stolen away from her by the evil wizard, Zorastro, and he has to go save her, and then they can be together in marriage.
0: And, yeah, and they give him this picture, and he's like, she fine. Yep. And he falls in love with this picture and sings this big song about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then from there, um, basically what happens is he's like, yeah, cool, I'm gonna save this woman, and then all of a sudden this woman's mom comes out, who happens to be
1: the queen. Yes, and then she sings a song about and it. And
0: she sings a big song about, yo, you gotta go get her, and save her from this giant evil wizard, Sinostro. Yeah. Um, so, Taminos on a mission at this point. Yeah,
1: and then the ladies for the mission give give Papageno and Tamino several things to help them on their journey. They give Papageno a set of silver bells, which are played by, like, Glockenspiel. Yeah. And then they give Tomino, drum roll please, the magic flute.
0: Roll credits. Roll credits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is this mystical flute with all uh-huh. sorts of powers and... They go along their merry way with the guide of three spirits, basically, that are usually played by uh, children of the local children's chorus, <laughs> or ladies themselves of the smaller stature.
0: Whatever is um, available. Whatever is
1: available that can be played by women or kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, they, go on, they go along their merry way, and then Papageno and Tamino get separated, and um, we come across, the next scene comes to P- Pamina, who is being, who's escaped Zarastro's jail, yeah. and is running frantically away from Zoroastro's evil servant, and just local guy to hate, Monastitos, <laughs> or otherwise known in some circles as My Oh, uh,
0: fun story, so my dad actually, when he saw the opera, he thought his name was Monastat, which I don't know Monast- if you know what Monastat is. What is
1: Monastat? <laughs> <laughs> it's-
0: <laughs> it's a vaginal career. <laughs> oh, cool!
1: <laughs> Learn new things every so, day. Here. Yeah. So, so now,
0: Thomas McAllister, big old shout out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so, so, <laughs> Monastatos anyway, catches Camina, and he is very lecherous and likes to, t- and he wants to take advantage of her. And then uh, Papageno stumbles across them and scares off Manostatos. And then Pamina is very thankful to Papagano, and they sing a little duet about how great man and wife are
2: just so cute. foreshadowing
1: to meeting to meet No. Yeah. And of course, Papagano telling her that the princess, a, a prince has fallen in love with her, she's like, "Oh, I guess I love him too." It's the yeah. 1790s. Things are simpler.
0: Yeah, then Flash to, uh, to Tamino, and he's just in the forest tooting on his little flutey. Yeah. Um, well, not, um, he
1: hasn't tooted on his flute just yet.
0: Oh, no, that was after, he's, yeah. Yes,
1: he stumbles across, because we've got to talk about the most important scene oh. of the whole opera. Yeah, oh,
0: wait, oh, I thought it was, yeah, no, I thought it was before, I'm yeah, sorry. Right. I'll let you take this one. Because,
1: as, <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but... Um, then he comes across the temples of wisdom where mm-hmm. Zorostro resides, and one of the priests of the temple comes out to meet him, and they have this long dialogue about the true state of reality. And the whole it turns out that he's been deceived by the queen, and.
0: Because women are like that.
1: Because,
0: yes. <laughs> be <fun> to
1: <laughs> and um, he basically says that she's not to be trusted, and that Zoroaster has. Is is really that he's the head of the temple of wisdom and things that are all right and good. He's the head order of the light, mm-hmm. and that he needs to join the order in order to save Pamina from the queen and unite the good the the forces of good and evil again. It's
0: like a big like where's Ashton Kutcher? We're being punked moment. <laughs> like
1: and Damina's all confused and he's learned his lesson, um, and then he plays the flute and lots of animals start, start dancing around him because you know it's a magic flute credits. Credit. And uh, then he hears Papageno's uh, little pipe that he <laughs> uses to <that laughs> call birds, and then they try to find each other again, and in the meantime, Papageno and Pamina are running away, and then Monostatos finds them again, but then Papageno uses these magic bells that he was given, and then Monastatos and his servants...
0: And they
1: all do silly things. All do silly things, and they get enchanted by the bells, and they run away, um, but then the end of Act 1, the whole host of Zoroastro's company rushes in for no particular reason.
0: <laughs> they're like, we're here, we're and here finally now. a chorus number. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and now, the chorus, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Exactly. Um, and then we get the end of Act one
0: Yeah, and so um, Pamina and Tamino uh, finally run into each other, and they finally see each other in the flesh, and they're like, you're real. Um, and you're just
1: like your picture. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're like you didn't you didn't fake us this time.
1: You just like your um, Tinder profile.
0: <laughs> exactly, no no catfishing in the magic flute here. Um, so they find each other, and then essentially, um, they start getting um they start getting Tamina ready for. Being part of the brotherhood, yeah. they start they start saying like you can do this, but Pamina because you're a woman because you're because because you're a girl you can't do that. Mm. Um,
1: so yeah. as listeners might be able to conceive, this is where some of the some of the modern day issues of this opera come yes. to light, and we will definitely get into those later. Yes. Um, so that's how the act ends. They yeah. get admitted to the temple. Papagano huh? and Tamina are Tamino are to do the trials of the the brotherhood together to basically be frankly initiated into the fraternity yeah no
0: it's a an, it's an, and
1: yeah. because of the the connections of Freemasonry Mozart and the librettist his cousin Emanuel Schickenader, were both Freemasons and they used lots of those rituals which we'll get
2: into the we'll get the oh yes we'll talk Masonry about it later but
1: um the <laughs> second act mainly focuses on the trials uh-huh. and tribulations of Tamino and Papageno mm-hmm. very long story short to sum it up Tamino does very well in the trials Papageno doesn't because Papageno <laughs> oh, yeah. just wants a little wife uh, his little Papagena to this, be like, with this like old
0: woman keeps like barging in in his cell and he's like stop boy. Like, by
1: the end of the show she pulls a Beauty and the Beast uh-huh. and turns out that the the, the old wait lady turns out to be this beautiful young Papagena who's yeah. been hiding the whole time and mm-hmm. they end up being happy together at the end of the show
0: meanwhile like um, Pamina comes into the room and is like Tamino talk to me but they're like sworn to silence they can they're talk doing to this, women they're doing
1: the trial of silence
0: yeah they can talk to women so Pamina's like oh my gosh I want to die because my love can't talk he's not talking to me what's wrong so
1: of course the natural conclusion is well this is I need to go kill I myself I need to then. go kill
0: myself so Pamina uh, tries but the spirit stop oh we didn't get to
1: well we she encouraged encouraged by her mother yeah. who storms in an act two and sings the very famous revenge aria a... um, with the crazy high notes uh, to kill Zorastro so that they can take power and uh, she's overwhelmed with emotion by her by Tamino not being able to talk to her and her mother wanting her to kill Zorrostro. Um, and she endeavors to kill herself yeah but she is stopped by the three by spirits, right.
0: Sweet little boys. and the
1: three boys uh, save the day, and then they go to uh, and they send her on her merry way to go to find Tamino, and then she actually helps him through In the, the final trials, trials, yeah, and leads him through the final trials yeah. and is deemed worthy of being admitted to the into
0: society. the temple, and then Papageno is trying to find Papagena again. So he's um he's like trying to call out for her and blah, blah blah blah, and then he's like, oh no I can't find her so what am I gonna do I'm gonna kill myself. Yes. So he tries to kill himself and then the spirits are like Papageno you're so stupid.
2: Use the magic play, bells. Play
0: your bells and so he plays them and then she comes and they're happy and they have little cheeky. As we yeah
1: so as you said that's that's how they resolve their lives. Yeah
0: and then all of a sudden flash back into the temple. The Queen and her squad. The Three Ladies. So at
1: this point, Monastatos, at the end of Act One, for being such a mean person and, you know, very just generally awful, we will talk about it more, um, he uh, was banned from Zoroastra's order and, and banished away, and then he joins the Queen of the Night and the Three Ladies, and they endeavor as a quintet to break into the temple and disrupt all the all the light and all the powers that be
0: and then basically like then they get banished to darkness
1: then there's a lightning and thunder <laughs> and then they and they die they question mark? Mark. depends if you want to go talk about the sequels um, yeah. but yeah
0: but um, they, they are, let's just say they get their just desserts.
1: They they leave they are They are banished, mm-hmm. and the forces of light overwhelm them. Yeah,
0: and everything is happy again, and there's a beautiful finale chorus. Yeah,
1: and Zoroastro declares light and darkness reunited as one, and Tamina and Tamino are married. Yeah, and, uh, we're, and then we sing a happy chorus about it.
2: Because. And that's that's
1: the whole show. It's, yeah. And it sounds speaking it out loud like that. <laughs> So weird.
0: Like, honestly, it's one of those shows that it's like, you think about it, and then you're like, ooh, strap on in. right? Like, it,
1: it's just, yeah, on paper, just doesn't really make a lot of sense, but that's something we can definitely talk about uh, as we get into the thicket of it.
2: Yeah.
1: But I would say, like at least for me, I fell in love with this opera. This was the opera that opened all the floodgates of opera, and even just classical music in general, as a kid. I was that third spirit yeah, in that trio back in L.A. and it was amazing and it was this incredible experience that totally changed my life and man Nathan Gunn,
0: whew, oh Papageno,
1: he's good, there a hunk
0: <laughs> in the flesh. He's still doing it at the Met, right? I
1: think so. Yeah, he,
0: it's yeah. just like it's just like moany roll. Oh, like he I makes mean, stacks with yeah,
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Um, but it's it was the opera that for me personally, like I. It was the one that just showed me the world of opera, and especially as a kid growing up, I didn't really sense any of the what many people call flaws and mm. issues with the opera. I didn't really sense it when I was a kid. Sure. I mean, also because the Monostatos was in a big green suit, and it was it was perfect because he's you know he's an outcast, of okay, time. and so it worked that he was in this like kind of green fat suit. Instead of <laughs> what typically happens in Looking like the, the old... monster from
0: Ghostbusters. <laughs> exactly.
1: Actually, it was very much monster oh, from no. Ghostbusters. What's his name? Blob, I think?
0: No, it's not Blob. No, no.
1: It's something... <laughs> oh, what's that? The, the monster from Ghostbusters basically was our Monostatos yeah. in that production. And it worked really well. So I didn't really connect any of those dots. That for those of you who don't know, Monostatos was originally played in blackface.
2: Yeah. And
1: was... In some houses that won't we'll name we, we won't name until pretty recently, which is well, one of the problems we have. Well, he's
0: with. also a slave too, and yeah. and he's yeah. also like the most problematic villain, because, like, the villain of the show mainly is the Queen of the Night, but yeah. then there's this whole subplot, which will I guess, would you want to get into that now? or well, like... Yeah,
1: well, so if you have other, like, pers- if you have your things with Magic Flute, you well, So, ahead.
0: my experience with the Magic Flute, I think, because it wasn't my first Mozart opera, or opera in general, um, my experience with the Magic Flute is kind of, um, uh, back in the day where I didn't realize how big my voice was, necessarily, I was like, ooh, yeah, Pamina's aria would be a great thing for me to learn. I'll definitely oh, yeah. use that later in life. But, um, as you will soon learn in later episodes, that was a big mistake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I originally just sort of, I think, like, my junior year of high school was like, ooh, Aki Fish, like, that's yeah. a cool aria. I should sing that.
1: <laughs> and, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was that the first thing for Magic Flute that you would ever listen to?
0: Um, no, i heard the Papageno Papageno oh, duet right. before. Yeah, but, um, and I was definitely familiar familiar with the overture of course and just the plot in general just because it's right. kind of like a again a bread and butter plot yeah um but like it was the first time I sort of dove into the world of the magic flute mm-hmm. and I was like ooh. um and then uh getting into yeah so last year's my sophomore year I was in the chorus for magic flute right um that's sort of the first time that I experienced it as like one cohesiveness mm-hmm. um and I was just like oh, this is a really neat opera, and, you know, now at this age, we sort of recognize the problems with it. Yeah. But um, I'm fortunate enough that um, our director took those, and he made it in a, into um, a statement, I, I would agree. say. I agree. I thought
1: that he actually did a really excellent job Yeah. tying that together. And there's also pieces of libretto that definitely point to that in itself, anyway. Yeah. So I think that working with that text, is, which we will also talk about later, um, there's a lot in there that you can work with. These things that a lot of people call problems, and a lot of a lot of people have trouble with reconciling the amazing music of Magic Flute. Yeah, and this. Weird plot. It's just it's just so (laughs) So, weird.
0: I had a friend come to the magic flute last year and um she might have been involved in some substances. Oh no. (laughs) But she came to the magic flute and first of all, she had to leave early. So she left like Right after they got in that temple, and she was like, "Emma, what kind of cult opera is this?" <laughs> she was, and this was like obviously her first opera that she yeah. had ever seen because she was not related to the School of Music at any way. She yeah. performed here, so she got here and she was just like, "Emma, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing?" It's, and
1: it makes sense, true, because it's it, when it was first premiered, anyone who had um, anyone who had done or had seen opera before, like this is just this fairy tale for them. And a lot of that, because it was premiered on Devine, and it was yeah. all for, like, the, the common folk, basically. Well, it's basically. a zingspiel. Exactly, it's a zingspiel. Yeah. But then, like, then for all the Freemasons in the crowd, <laughs> they were who like, were like, yay! Yeah! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's like, our stuff! It's us, And baby. it's funny, because there's all these myths that the Freemasons, like, that they were not okay with it being that, that basically Mozart ripped off a lot of their rituals yeah. and, like, secret handshakes and secret knocks and all this thing. And there's the the myth that they poisoned him after because he died right after the magic was like, oh, but it's yeah. completely fake and not yeah. true. Um, because they actually really liked it and they were very uh, like they were in the, they found very endearing that he like, yeah. used their subject and
0: they were like it, indeed Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, like, they were actually yes.
1: very much Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> yeah, which also we will talk about this later too. Just like the 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 depth of the masonry, <laughs> I will say. It's, it's
0: baby. It's deeper
1: than like I than <laughs> that most so people think. Thick masonry. <laughs> it's thick masonry, like really Egyptian masonry yeah. to the max. <laughs> and when people say that it's not cohesive, like the libretto and the music don't work together, I definitely would recommend for people to take like take some really deep looks into the music mm-hmm. and with the libretto specifically to see These amazing connections between it all, but we will definitely come to this later because that is it will last a long time. yeah, we
0: digress. But Zingspiel. So Zingspiel,
1: and this was like so you said this was the first the when you did it at CMU, it was the first time you did all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is nice to do a traditional one first. Agreed. Which is a good
0: for any opera. I'd like to say. or at least seeing that, yeah. seeing a traditional seeing, one, just rehearsed. kind
1: of just knowing what the source material is.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's hard going into sort of well, we'll talk about some of the yeah, best
1: Yeah, I think this later. might be a good chance. This is, yeah, So, so um, there's many many times in this fun <laughs> crazy world that we call opera people will adjust the interpretation of the opera that they're working with because they want to say something new or they want to have a new, fresh idea.
0: And that's both good and bad.
1: And Yeah, and I think that a lot of times, really depending on the quality of the direction, it really yeah. can work, and it does in many situations, but also, very often times, <laughs> it doesn't. And it just kind of it results in these beautiful messes that <laughs> are just... Very hard to understand. A
0: blessing to us, but also a curse.
1: <laughs> and there's some very much a it's a spectrum, and there are a balance between the two. Mm-hmm. But so why don't you say the opera we saw a production of the Magic uh, Flute yes. over the summer? Uh, yes. In Vienna, mm-hmm. um, that was a, it was a festival production, and it was. it was it was unfortunately cut to pieces as many operas that are done in festivals are just yeah. to the length but it makes me cry inside because cutting Pamina's suicide scene is like just... That
0: was so sad. Ugh. And then the finale. Because yeah. I... That finale is so, so good and yeah. just wonderful and it ties it all together so nicely. Yeah. And then that's just like... That's the only thing that I really was like kind of angry about in that production and just kind of the the cut but anyway but the
1: thing that was amazing about this
0: yes so um i was i was in vienna for about a week while caleb was working on this production and um and he on a whim was like i am working on this production of magic flute you should come see this and i was like oh yes that sounds amazing um and he sort of gave me i i guess a warning of um Mm, ah, uh, yes, but it's set in an alternate universe. And I was like, mm, how so? This is the magic flute, after all. It is fairly mystical. And he said, oh, this production is based in Super Mario World.
1: Super Mario to a T. and
0: to a t- uh, Commit
1: to bit. the bit. And they committed to the bit. Yeah. Like, I had, I did not think that I would enjoy it as much as I did because it's so oh, out there. I thoroughly enjoyed and it. it <laughs> was uh, it was really impressive because it was so just they they went for it. They, they went
0: for it. We'll we'll go through the let's go through the cast of characters, it, shall we? Okay, so Tamino
1: was your Mario.
0: Yes, and Papageno. Of
1: course, this is Luigi.
0: Of course. Um Pamina
1: is the Princess Peach.
0: Mhm. Papagena would
1: be Princess Daisy.
0: The iconic queen of the night
1: of course is Bowser. Oh,
0: naturally. Uh
1: Monostutos. was Waluigi. Mhm.
0: Uh the three ladies The three
1: ladies were Dry Bones. They
0: were uh the three spirits. The
1: three spirits were the three power-ups yes. that you encounter along the way like a, the star, the flower and it the was mushroom.
0: mushroom yes. Yeah. And uh Oh, it was the And And
1: well was King Mushroom. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, yes, he, was, he was, toad. was Toad, he was Toad. That's... Fake fan. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just assumed he was King Mushroom, because, you know, he's the king. But, I, you're right, he's it's Toad. A fake he's, fan. He's Toad. And then
0: there were just two men that
1: were just completely unconnected
0: to the opera the that were the armored guards.
1: But the, I honestly love the armored guards. It is so oh, hard to them. pull off that part well. I am, as some, the, the guy, one of the two who sang the Sprecher and Armored Guard. <laughs> and those, they're hard to do well. And there are very often times when people see it, they're like, oh, I slept through that part. I slept through that speaker scene because uh... he was just teaching Tamino a lesson and it was all a- accompanied recitative <laughs> and there was no aria.
0: That's honestly, like I think, vocally one
1: of my favorite parts of the opera,
0: like mm. though. The, the octaves, it's yeah.
1: hard. It's really hard. And, for, and to give context to the, to, uh, the listeners... Is that uh, it's right with the beginning of the trials, if those of you who don't know, and there's this incredible, very difficult fugue um, that is played as the Brotherhood does their ritual, and then these two armored guards guarding the trials of fire and water give Tamino this basically, it's just like a. Brotherhood agreement.
0: <laughs> they're like, they're yeah, like, you
1: can be here, sure. They're, they're <laughs> like, you, Brother Tamino, have agreed to do the trial of fire and water. And, yeah. and it's the, this whole thing. But it's done in this octave, organ, pedal-like f- old texture. And it's,
0: it's crazy. I think that's one of the coolest
1: moments of the opera. It's so cool. As long as it's done well. Yeah. Which is the whole, that's the trick. Um, <laughs> There's the run. Yeah, but um, yeah, Mario, Mario, Magic Flute.
0: But the thing where they, like, really, like, the commit to oh, the yes. was the trials. So, yes. Well, I'm, so I'm glad time. that we're here now.
1: Yes, it's perfect. I yeah,
0: so. so the trials, they just, like, did a stage freeze, which was lovely, and then they projected straight up just <laughs> levels of Mario. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> just playthroughs of Mario. They just put,
1: they put this it was it was really smart They had total stage free yeah and then it was just but they had mario on the star power up for the whole level because you know he's invincible cuz got to get him
0: moving yeah so he
1: just speeds through the whole level and it was like the underwater level for the trial of water <laughs> It's like a then, speed run of mario. it's like it's like a speedrun of Mario, yeah <laughs> and then, then there was basic it was Bowser's castle for the fire trial um which was which also worked cuz it was the queen of the night had originally been portrayed in act 1 as Bowser and I will say the one thing that it is the uh, well the one the one thing that that it takes away from is the ambiguity of the queen of the night being a villain oh sure which is an interesting point and something we could definitely talk about now, if this yeah, book, it's, go it's, ahead. I it, there's so there's lots of sources. I have this wonderful book that I will definitely say the name of because it's fabulous. Rep it by Jacques Chaly, I think is how we pronounce right. it. Jacques Chali. Louis. Louis. Yeah. It's called The Magic Flute Unveiled: Esoteric Symbolism in Mozart's Masonic Opera, and it's very dense. And I'm not going to read it because that would be <laughs> very boring. But I will give gists, because it's a it's really funny book.
0: It's audiobook
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so follow us on Audible, please. <laughs> um, but it, they talk about how there's all this mystery around the libretto and how it was originally formed. And there's a myth that is that was perpetrated by this letter, this this not very factually accurate letter from the... It was originally published in, like, 1857... By one of the students of the students of Mozart, who had this—it was—it's this kind of fake conversation that happens between Schikaneder and Mozart. Where mm-hmm. Schikaneder comes to him and goes, "Oh, I'm—I'm—I have this new idea for this this show that I want you to do." And then somebody tells them,
0: "Who's Schikaneder's the librettist for this?" Yes,
1: Schikaneder, and he's the librettist, and he played Papageno in the, in the original production. Mm-hmm. Um, they are talking about writing the Magic Flute, and then somebody comes in and goes, "Hey, they just." Opened this new show at another theater based on the same myth, and it's called the Zauber sit the like the the bassoonist, like the magic bassoon myth, basically, <laughs> or Casper der Fagotist it, Oh
2: it's, it's my like, gosh!
1: It's basically the magic bassoon. <laughs> and then they decided that because it's based on the same a stuff. Well,
0: he's for Tomino <laughs> <And>
1: then, <laughs> Yeah, it, Tomino has to be a very fun of that production. <laughs> But, and then, uh, they decide, and then, of course, after that, then he switches the whole, apparently, the myth is, that he switches the whole plot, and they changed, and originally they had had the Queen of the Night being the Fairy Queen, and they go to save the daughter from the evil sorceress, Oh, and this was the original plot, that allegedly... Allegedly, they mm. changed after hearing that the bassoonists went <laughs> it was out.
0: A, hey, can I see your homework for a second? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, and but then there's but there's lots of other sources that are disc- that discredit lots of parts of this, and especially Mozart went and he wrote a letter about this show. He wrote to Costanza when she was I think she was t- having her kid, and I think it was in Germany at the time or in the Holy Roman Empire. If I'm going to be factually accurate, <laughs> um, but she went to have her kid, and Mozart was writing her letters, and he said that he went and saw this production, and there wasn't much of it. Mm, and, yes. sh- and it's not like Schikaneder is one to not rip off stuff, because it's not like he's Goethe in terms of his eloquent yeah, libretto. No. Mm-hmm. So not a
0: Pulitzer Prize winner. He's not a
1: Pulitzer Prize winner in terms of his, in terms of his prose. Um, but so, and so it's not unlike him to do something like that anyways, so he wouldn't particularly care, but, so the reasons aren't really known Mm. still to this day why it changed, but there was a six month period of time before March of 1791 when it changed from the Queen of the Night being the hero, like the, the, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will, of <laughs> this story to go urge... to me to Exactly. <laughs> and then they switch it, and then she... And then they switch it, and they said that, like, they had to adjust things accordingly. But the key thing is that Mozart definitely didn't write any of the music until after the change had happened. Okay. This is something that is definitely... Like known for sure that he didn't start well because
0: well that's important. I mean, like he's not gonna write like a theme like that, like the Queen's a Night has for like you know Pamina or exactly, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So he didn't really he didn't start writing until the plot that we know and love was done. Makes sense. And it makes way makes a lot of sense, yeah. especially when there's all this in depth detail about the deep masonry, <laughs> the thick masonry, the thick
2: masonry uh, <laughs> that he
1: puts into this, and and then everybody talks about. Whenever you talk, any, any conversation with the magic food, everybody talks about the threes. Mm hmm. And like growing up, I, that was a thing I latched onto, and I'm like, it's the threes, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Illuminati. Illuminati and,
2: confirmed. And yeah.
1: Illuminati confirmed everything, you know, the beginning and end are in E flat, uh-huh. the, the three trials, the three mm-hmm. kids, the three threes. ladies, and all this. But what I didn't realize until more recently was the importance of the number five. How so? So, the number five, apparently, in the Masonic tradition, dun, dun, this is not any. I do not ascribe to the Masonic tradition.
0: <laughs> you're telling me you're not a Freemason? I
1: can't comment on that. Oh, you
0: know? no!
1: Although, my, my, we recently discovered my great-grandfather was a Mason. And we had his... sound.: <gasps> Oh, we found his, like, acceptance certificate and his ritual book that's written oh, in bad no. code and his pin. Oh, it's got a little triangle everywhere. Oh, my gosh. But... In Masonic tradition, the number three is very important for, like, the male principle. It's, like, the wisdom and and strength and all this. And so this is the pillars is the number three. But then the number five is apparently the female number. Mixed with the first even number two and the male principle, you get the female doctrine of the number five.
0: Oh, interesting. I don't know
1: lots of the details beyond this. Okay. But this is, they have this Masonic tradition that the number five is, like, the female number. Mm
2: -hmm Mm-hmm. And
1: then looking at the Magic Flute in more detail, as even, like, a response to a show like Così Fan Tutte, which is the battle of the sexes in a lot of ways, this opera, it's... The reconciliation of the sexes.
0: Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah.
1: I, and I even would just use the overture as an example mm-hmm. because it's. Oh, I mean, it's, who doesn't love it? It's perfection. Who doesn't love a little Clementi <laughs> plagiarism? <laughs> Small aside, <laughs> the very famous theme of the overture da, 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 is straight out of a Clementi piano sonata. Oh, yeah, no. Which he apparently wrote about. Did you know this?
0: Oh, he straight up admitted it?
1: Clemente wrote it down. He was like, my sonata was (laughs) premiered by me for Emperor Joseph II. (sighs) First in 1790, I think it was. He name dropped. <laughs> but the thing was, is that Mozart is. It's pro- it's known that Mozart was probably in attendance of that performance, where he conceived of this.
0: He was like, dum, 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 exactly, <laughs> He's like writing that. Down. He, he pulled
1: a little John Williams yeah, and like oh. took a little thing and said, like, I'm going to use that for later. Mm-hmm. Put it in Mozart and he Symphony Number no.
0: Thirty Eight. He pulled an Andrew Lloyd Webber. What?
1: <laughs> what? I. <laughs> I wouldn't make such rash accusations. (laughs) Um but so he used it in Mozart thirty eight, the first movement, except not in a fugue form, but the same idea. Mm -hmm. And then he uses it in this. But like this is like the same fugue structure and it's the same thing. But it's you know, it's better because it's not Clementi. (laughs) Sorry to all the hardcore Clementi fans out there. Yeah. Um but it's just, you know, not quite the same. Um but the first opening chords of this, there aren't three of them. There are five of them. There are. Mm-hmm. It's the way Uh huh. ba, two, three, uh-huh. four, five. Oh, oh, it gets better. He tricks you. <laughs> he tricks you. And so there's this, this these five chords, and there's this whole chaos before the creation of the world intro, and uh-huh. then there's the Allegro with the famous, the, the fugue that goes on, it's fantastic, and I won't out about fugues for right now, <laughs> not for today. That's for another episode. But then the first part of the overture ends, <laughs> but then the intro to the second part isn't five chords, it's nine chords, because it's three chords three times. Oh my god. <laughs> because in the second half of the opera, that's already when Tamino has been accepted into the order yes. for his three trials.
0: Oh my god. The
1: beginning of the opera, he is in, he's surrounded by the, the ladies who mm-hmm. also side note were originally supposed to be five ladies.
0: Oh, that's too, I yeah. mean, they, are, they already can't hold tempos together, five, three is already too much, five would be a snafu waiting to happen. <laughs>
1: so Mozart felt the same.
0: <laughs> Mozart was like, that's a mistake. But
1: this is why there are three quintets that the ladies sing in.
0: Okay, yes.
1: They're they're in three quintets, mm-hmm. and it's also, and so that, because I'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, yeah. but, but then the second half of the overture starts, and it's... Nine, it's this three times three. Right. Because he's in for the trial.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's the he second half of the opera. He's in. And <laughs> then it goes, and then, yeah. then the overture ends, and what does the overture end with? It ends with three E flat major chords. Uh huh. Bum, 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 and it's over. Yeah. I'm sorry for all you perfect pitch fans out there. <laughs>
2: I'm going to
1: have to deal with my relative. Um, <laughs> Not just <laughs> Um, But, so it's this, it is, because it is also definitely, like, is recorded history that he didn't write this overture until like the dress the final well yeah rehearsal. I mean there's that
0: whole story about Don Giovanni where he wrote it the, the morning off. he was like oh <laughs> yeah that thing I have to write that overture for my opera that's being premiered tonight let me do that now <laughs> like
1: he's I just is the most amazing thing about Mozart that people just don't fully appreciate I think that he works so much harder than anyone else
0: oh my gosh no, yeah like
1: he works so much harder and yet, still managed to just be a whiny child no, no, well, who he just literally He literally he was a penis, penis, so. the whole life. And he just would constantly procrastinate. And the fact that he could just... Write this the day of. or the it The day before. It just, you know, not not a big deal. There's yeah,
0: one. and it's an iconic masterpiece.
1: And it's like, for one the of ages. Famous pieces of music the, the ever. Yes. And yeah. It's like, I wrote it the day before, it's fine.
0: Meanwhile, me with my counterpoint assignment, I'm like, beep, bop, boop, <laughs> boop, boop, boop.
1: Like, I think you had a distance on a consonant there for a second. Oh yeah. no! Well, so, there's that, I mean, the overture alone, it's just. It's fantastic, and it's this great microcosm of the whole show. In this, it just shows the whole arc Yeah. without the listener necessarily knowing it.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: But then this book also it goes into all these crazy details about the key relationships, which are known and very, very frequent.
2: Yeah.
1: Like the, the ladies often singing in G. And versus the versus Rostro or Tintoret you know, sure. singing an E or C C E flat or C major, which is like the the key of the yeah. the the people.
0: No, Mozart was real real big about that. Oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and a lot of those composers were they were mm-hmm. who were I think there was a very much a solid tradition to follow those rules. Yeah, and then Schubert was like, what if we put my song in every key and, <laughs> and then it yeah. didn't really matter.
0: Schubert was like, y'all are <sighs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
1: you could make more money if you yeah, wrote exactly. my song in every key and then everyone mm-hmm. would sing it. Which is true, but it's opposite, so it's different. But, yeah. digressions. Um, the crazy, so the, this five thing, I start to see more and more and then after just a little bit, it just, it, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. and, Oftentimes, you know, you can probably get the bad thing of just overanalyzing it. Yeah. But also, it's so... Tr- There's no way it's that it's on accident. It's easy to
0: fall into it. There's yeah. no way that
1: it's on accident. Yeah, no. And it's too it's too exact and correct to be on accident. Yeah. Because you knew what he was doing. Yeah. The thing is that the cohesion of the libretto and the score is so much more thorough than people think it is. Oh, totally. And I will... Oh, I push, I'm pushing my glasses up. <laughs> calling on my first example oh in boy. the score that is in the opera, it's this five-note little call, the little call that comes out in the three ladies trio, right after they've stumbled upon no, they've saved Tamino. Right
0: after
1: the two Hilfer. Two and they come out and they yeah. sing and like, oh, look, look how attractive, and they're Tino like, he is. is
0: fine. And
1: then they have this the Ich sollte fort, Ich sollte fort uh-huh. trio. The the orchestra underneath it is going da mm, bum, bum, mm, bum, yeah. bum, da Yeah. But one more time da da mm, bum, bum 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 one two, three, four five. it's Ooh. just one two three four five and or if you want One, two,
0: three, four, five. <sighs> oh Mozart baby boy.
1: So that is a, a little theme that they bring in, and also in G major. Um and then then it comes to Papagino, who is this crossover character because he works for the queen he look, works for the queen in her Yeah. Ways, but he has a he has he's this just very
0: conflicted heart. in general. Exactly.
1: And he just wants to be a happy man and he's the he is the embodiment of every peasant in the audience. He's
0: like everyone's fave yeah. Like, I've honestly, I've seen some bad productions of the Magic Flute, but I've never seen a bad Papageno, to be honest. It's,
1: and, it, and really, Schikaneder wrote it for himself, because well, he wanted yeah. to be the star, and, like, <laughs> good on him for having that card to play. But yeah. it, but also, there's this, but, again, Mozart was aware of it, of these connections of the Masonic tradition so thoroughly that, how many notes does the pipe play? Oh Mozart The pipe plays five mm-hmm. notes. Yes, it does. The pipe plays five notes in an intro aria many times. And it also comes this same motif that he comes that he talks that he sings in yeah. the, the trio later on in Act One when he runs in the Monositos. Um, it's the I didn't originally think this, but it's the same as um, the three ladies, mm. Ich sollte fort, Ich sollte fort, and I didn't think it was. But then I realized that it's in 4-4 and not 6-8, but the melody is the same. When he goes, Wo bin ich wohl, wo mach ich sein, da finde ich It's this part where he stumbles upon Mina because he's Luigi and he's, this, he's this, the the bee-flat. Yes. But we have to get some comic relief. Yeah. So he comes in and he sings to sh, because he's like, oh, pretty lady. Yeah. And he goes, shun a man, tien, jung, woon, fine, ticketing a dum.
0: Oh. <laughs> and I didn't realize
1: this, but it's the same note, same key. Dum ba dum, dum, dum ba dum, ticketing a dum.
0: Yeah. What is it for five? Mm-hmm.
1: And if you put it in six eight, ba da dum, bum 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 bum, da da and it's the same as the three ladies because he's a part of their world.
0: Yes.
1: It's is that crazy? What? I know, right?
0: Oh my gosh!
1: So and that is just it. One of many things that just it ties yeah. this whole score together so much more thoroughly than I think a lot of people give it credit for.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people just see it as sort of like this children's story, like yeah, um, because it's it's often. You know it's played as such. Like when I was just in in Germany and in Austria, it's it's kind of everywhere. Sort of like this like puppet show and like this thing. Oh the like... puppets!
1: <laughs> oh, so we in, in Salzburg, they have this puppet company.
0: Oh I I'm think? I'm aware of it. I I haven't been, but I've heard tales.
1: It it just looks terrifying because. Oh no,
0: I've heard it. They're just like like, like nightmare fuel. <laughs> <Like, laughs> I've heard it's
1: Nightmare I know. i I don't think I could ever go see one of those things because mm-hmm. it's just also the small aside sure weirdest scene in Sound of Music okay. <laughs> <laughs> the whole puppet show which of course is in Salzburg so you it's a You don't like finishing. the lonely goatherd. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a huge fan of the Lonely Ghost series, <laughs> but it's just, it's just so weird. <laughs> it does feel like it was kind of just like, in the middle <laughs> of it, you know? And they're like, like, what if the kids did a puppet show? It's like... Uh, it's
0: and we'll do a featuring yodel
1: song. It's <laughs> also like, they are clearly not working those puppets themselves. <laughs> the kids have... I'm, I'm look, being critical look, of the kids. Don't
0: judge the Von Trapp children. They did, they
1: did a very good job with that movie. Again, we're we're back, off track. <laughs>
0: Julie Andrews, if you're listening, we love you dearly,
1: <laughs> yes, and you've changed all of our lives um, but other things in this that just stick with me, and I would love i like I hope and wish that other people find the time to like explore it on their own are just the light motifs, and oh, I use yeah. that word so seriously,, mm-hmm. and a lot of people turn to Weber, I would say to be the precursor to Wagner leitmotif. Sure. Yeah. I think it's this. I definitely... I see what you're talking about, so go... Yeah, go ahead. So, I... So, the one... There's a couple. There's a... I mean, the same sort of thing where, like, like you're saying, it's this calling of the same theme. Right. But this all happens with the melodies, too, where... Uh, the Queen's first words. I I always I like to rant about this to other people when we talk about the Magic flutas. It's The Queen's first words in her first aria are this B flat major triad. Oh, it's it released my is own, and it's this glorious. Oh, it's the Queen. She's here. It's in major. No, oh my gosh, and she's on the moon, and <laughs> that's the whole thing. But then, as a very biased sprecher. Uh huh. And I think that this was I, I absolutely believe it was intentional. Um, the uh the use of the exact same melodic line right as the Sprecher leaves and has told Tamino that he has been fooled,
2: mm-hmm. he
1: has been deceived by the Queen, and his words are um Nacht, was du schwinden and it's this A minor, but it's the exact same melodic structure. Mm-hmm. Of just, it's the changes in his character. The very few changes in <laughs> um, yeah. Tamino's character yeah, that happen. Yeah. Where if you are aware of it, I think you can make those moments mean more to people.
0: Oh, sure. I think Tamino... A lot of people think Tamino is like one known, Like, I am the hero. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> like, like you
1: see her and he's just kind of like, wow. But also, isn't Tamino a lame hero? Nothing against, nothing against any of the Taminos out there. Because... It's no, it's no fun to sing all the way through that act one. It's tough. And I, I wish I, I not say this often. I don't say this often, but I used to wish that I would be a tenor so that I could play flute and play the single part at the same time.
0: man.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but he's kind of a lame hero. Oh, yeah. He gets attacked by this giant snake. He Faith. doesn't... He, he faints. He doesn't. He doesn't like fight back. He swoons, <laughs> passes out, and then three the three ladies who are probably aware of the snake, <laughs> because I'm sure they're in it. They're in on it. Well,
0: we sent. Well, they kind of sent it. it right. Queen, this but... is the
1: production we did that actually yeah. worked pretty well. That yeah. you know, it's the, uh, under the control of the queen. But the the ladies say Tamino, mm-hmm. and they go, Tamino, you're a hero. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody questions him like, for the whole and show. And he just goes, yes. <laughs> yes. He goes, of course goes, the, I am. Of, like, classic man response. Yes. Like, oh, I'm the guest. I'm the hero of the story. Yes. And... And they go, you have been deemed worthy by fainting in front of a snake of marrying the queen's daughter. Here's a
0: picture of her, and then he instantly nuts. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> well, and the, that I actually have the least problem with, I have to say. I'm sorry, what? Okay, I will defend myself and the Tominos out there with this one thing. That the whole following, falling in love with the picture bit, I think, yes, obviously, it's very much... Not realistic, I see you, Henry VIII. Um, (laughs) My English history fans will know what I'm talking about. Okay,
0: the English monarchy is a whole other episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but he, there's the, it's this pretty typical dramatic trope, especially in plays and opera, to fall in love with this image, and fall in love, especially falling in love at first sight. Oh,
0: well, yeah, sure.
1: And, And the audience at that time, was used to it. They also, like,
0: they need love in the plot at this point. Exactly. Because we've had the drama and we've had, like, the sort of funny precursor idea of love yeah. with the three ladies. So I think, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So I think, yeah, it's this, I think that the audiences in 1791 were, they were like, oh, he fell in love at first sight.
0: <laughs> You're like, I did that seven weeks ago. <laughs> like, everyone in is like, we did that too. Exactly. Like, and it's,
1: <laughs> and everybody plays it, but it's, I think it is, it can be done in an authentic to the time way yeah. that isn't really that doesn't have to be jarring
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes you can play that jarring card for a laugh but I don't think it's as genuine no it doesn't, no no no, you know. no no
0: it's not supposed to be like the funny bit of the show because right. there Cause are then, funny parts yeah because
1: then Papageno comes back in and
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um but I think that he yeah he's a lame hero oh yeah no, no,
0: no, no. and
1: he doesn't yeah he doesn't quite have the uh he doesn't really do anything heroic Either not at all in the show. He 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 also real talk one another aside.
0: Yes, gets captured
1: by Monostatos. Oh yeah, the most incapable of servants who fails to capture Papageno because he has bells with him. Yes. And But, but captures just, you know, who was just playing this flute and sings this whole aria in Act 1 about how amazing this flute is and how all these magical beasts, or these beasts uh, suddenly are uh-huh. entranced towards him because of the power of the flute, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he doesn't think to play it around Monostatos. <laughs>
0: No, 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 God
1: forbid that. They just waltz in (laughs) in the Act 1 finale, and Monocetos is like, I found this guy hanging outside. (laughs) Behind the bleachers. But then Pamina's like, ah, there's the hero. Yeah.
0: Why, he just got captured. Why, he going
1: to be the hero. If anything, Papageno, in defense of all baritones out there, Papageno's done more heroically. Papageno
0: does the most, and Pamina's like, eh, him. She gets
1: instantly friend-zoned. Yes. (laughs) Which also, I love the the fact that in the premiere of The Magic Flute, when it premiered, and of its reprisal, when it, like, a couple times after it was played, the Papageno Pamina duet was the big hit. Oh!
0: It was the bop. Which I just find, it's just... (laughs) It was was the bop of the century. (laughs) It's just... (laughs)
1: It's such. For those of you who have heard it or don't know, it's just it's this very cute duet about the beauty of man and wife together. This, which also I think, in my in my opinion, sets up this this reconciliation of the sexes. Yeah, it's the start of it. It's the start of that with this idealistic idea, and. It was this big hit, and they would have to, like, sing it again if they sang it in the show. It was that, and what was the other one? Um, there was one other number that you wouldn't think it would be. That
0: was, like, the bop of the That
1: century. was the bop of the century, and they had to reprise it in the shows, because they loved it so much. Monostaticism <laughs> <laughs> all the piccolo players in the Ooh, world just oh my god they all just die <laughs> no it's no no no, it was the um it, the the three boys trio in act 2 <gasps> which which one? the
2: um which is, is the dunk 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 dunk. no that's the act one the, oh, yeah. it's, um,
1: it's the drum for some reason those two numbers which i would generalization (laughs) here. Bring out the (laughs) boy Like I would say nowadays are considered some of the less interesting numbers of the show. I think
0: I think the duet in Act One with Papagano and Kamina is still popular. It's
1: popular, yes. Mm -hmm. But I would say they're not the most engaging numbers no, no
0: no no I when I when I think magic fluid I don't immediately
1: Do <laughs> you don't think Oh yeah that's three boys the most famous number from that one the three boys trio and 2 Forget the queen of the night rage you listen to it yeah, yeah You know that sound you're looking for <laughs> jump, <laughs> jump 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 and it's it's just a weird thing that we don't consider, like, what, what the crowds of the time found very entertaining. That's
0: so true. Well, it's also, like, the difference in the changes in, like, tempos over time. Like, yes. because Ach, Ich now is at the speed of a snail. And, like, yes. it works for some people in some productions, but the original tempo is originally supposed to be, like,
1: As Mozart would say, and Dante, Yes. You know? Exactly. The thing that really kind of makes sense. But there you're absolutely right. There's this the tradition of singing arias so painfully slow <laughs> for the sake of showing off. Yes. But then also there's like
0: and oh, baby we'll get into that with our Figaro episode. Oh,
1: we'll talk about <laughs> Figaro's coming. <laughs> Everyone, shameless plug, come see Figaro at the Philip Chosky Theater at the School of Drama.
0: Buckle up, it's going to be in October, we'll make an episode. <laughs> yes,
1: and we'll bring on lots of people to talk oh, about. Oh, yes. But, the Ocifuse tradition, there's plenty of things that also suffer from this, but the tradition of taking it so slow that it's so boring.
0: Well, it's just and, like, it just drags.
1: And Yeah, and also, there are like... There are dozens, hundreds, if not thousands, I dare say, of sopranos who have trouble with this aria because they can't sing through the phrase.
0: But I also, yeah, they can't sing through the phrase, but I also slow. think that, you know, for showing off, I think, honestly, it's more showy if you take it faster at the dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee, the, the more chromatic parts of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's... like, I think that's honestly more impressive than, you know, taking it like... Oh taking a
1: breath between every single note.
0: Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's more interesting to hear it as one thought. Yeah. To have... You take a breath and you go, ah... <laughs> yeah.
2: That
1: And that's, you know, it's sad. Yeah. And you're like, that's, I'm sighing. It's the, yeah. it's the tempo of a sigh. It's not the tempo of you know, somebody dying of tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: then odd, specific thing.
0: Wonder which opera <laughs> that's about. It could really be any. That's, that's we true, could also that's
1: have a whole true. talk about tuberculosis in opera. Oh, no. And how, real talk, thanks to tuberculosis... That's a fun
0: episode. Thanks
1: to tuberculosis for giving us two of the Contents. most famous operas of all time, which have the same plot. But... It's fine. We'll, we'll get into that some other time.
0: <laughs> Tune into our tuberculosis
1: episode. <laughs> we have the hard-hitting topics here on Symphony Podcast e. <laughs> Um But also, that you make a really... The a fun thing about Antifus that a lot of people also don't think about is this fun, leitmotif kind of relationship between the earlier parts of the show. And it's not exactly the same tempo marking, but it's very close... Um, let me find the exact marking to make sure that I am telling the truth and nothing but the truth. It's this mm, here it is. Um the duet, the the famous duet, the Bymenden duet. Yeah. Um it's almost the same tempo as Akifus.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: If it's done if, they, if it's
0: done if I remember correctly
1: yeah the duet is Andantino and Achifus is Andante so that's slightly different t- t- slightly different character too mm-hmm. because obviously Achifus is lamenting but you have that same rhythm in the duet here we go the furen that bum bum Achifus
0: Mozart, you sneaky boy. He's a sneaky boy.
1: He's a sneaky boy. But it also works with the libretto too, because she's talking about how great these the old times were, which Mm -hmm. I also always always have trouble thinking about. Like, what old times? She's seen Semino for like (laughs) thirty seconds. She's also like thirteen. She's also like thirteen. But like, what is she talking about? It's that duet. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, wouldn't it be so great to have that? The mm-hmm. the man she's like, life thing. Shouldn't have friends on again. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's all regretting it now, but yeah. but that same that, that rhythm is the same. That's what she's missing. Mm-hmm. That's what she's lamenting back. Yeah,
0: to. yeah.
1: And I think that it's, it's
0: Yeah. True. I also I wanna talk about the three ladies for well, let's a hot talk sec about the three Because the thing about the three ladies that I really, really love is that like the First Lady is really, like, the only character in this opera that I could play. Because, like, Mama here, we got, we, I, she got a thick voice. <laughs> she got a thick voice. So, um, like, I've recently just started looking more at the First Lady's part because it's, it's gonna be a moneymaker, you know? Yeah. But, like, I will, and I won't mention the specific production that I saw, because this is not complimentary of them, <laughs> but, um, a production that we haven't talked about yet, that I recently saw, of The Magic Flute, um... We're starting Act 1. Everything's pretty strong. The is really good. Um, they come out. The three ladies come in, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, like, let's get it, girls. Like, to quote Shania Qua- Twain, let's go, girls. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> or, but, or to quote Figula, Figaro in Act 3.
0: Let's go, let's go girls. girls.
1: <laughs> Tune in um, to the Figaro episode to hear that.
0: Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so these three ladies come out. And then they immediately all start in their own tempos. Oh, God. <laughs> they each take different tempi, and I just sit in the back of my chair, and I go, Phew, girls, it's gonna be a long show.
2: <laughs> you strap it I
0: said, I was like, y'all, if you can't even get this first scene, like, <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. No, it was so, it was so disappointing. Because, like, the thing the thing about the three ladies is that you have to be one unit oh yeah you have to the, like each lady has its own distinctive voice like they all mm-hmm. own they have their own distinctive voice and you can pick them up pretty clearly but together you have to be so yeah, the ladies basically just have to be like this unit together that like moves and sings as one. And if that doesn't happen, it's just disastrous. <laughs> like every yeah. scene that they're in, and like to be honest, they're not in that many scenes. But they
1: can steal the show.
0: Oh, they can.
1: And sh- like, if they're if it's good, like should I think?
0: Yeah but it was just so disappointing that every single, and like one had a big old wobble, that third lady her vibrato was a cardiogram. Third lady's
1: the best, nothing as first lady because you will sing first lady, but third lady's the best lady.
0: Third lady has the best line. She's
1: the sassiest lady. She's the
0: sassiest one. She's got the one that's like
1: It's the thing I always love singing as a baritone slash singing bass and choir, I always love singing those chromatic lines of Ascension yeah. In the, the bass line, it's always more. You guys got more energy. Well,
0: that's how I feel coming up with Figaro. We'll talk about this more later. But like, um, you know, the Countess yeah. has all the second soprano parts, kind of. So she's got all those fun chromatic lines. Yeah.
1: But yeah, third lady, third lady is really just yeah. She she wants it. She wants it so bad. <laughs> she
0: wants it so
1: bad. Just so bad. Tamino <laughs> doesn't stand <have> a chance. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly he can't handle a freaking serpent. <laughs> So, these ladies... Clearly.
0: third lady comes in and she goes, step aside, he's mine.
1: <laughs> well, this is, this is a fun thing to think about. And, you know, it's contradicting to the actual show, but if, if they could kill the serpent, why don't they just go save Bumina? Because <laughs> the, the night and the day are clearly already at war.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's fun. Well, and the, this is the thing that I, I talked about earlier. Like, it's... It, if you... Really are true to the the cohesion of the libretto and the score, the unification of Tamino and Pamina, who, by the way, I'm going to push up my glasses again.
0: Oh, no, he's at it. <laughs> yes,
1: they all play. Um, they are both named after the Egyptian god Min.
2: Okay. Because,
1: you know, Illuminati confirmed. Illuminati. <laughs> Chickenator apparently didn't know enough about them and it was supposed to be Tamina and Pomino.
2: Oh, rib. But
1: they just screwed up the vowel because they're, because, <laughs> you know, they're basically just frat bros who wrote a really, who wrote an opera. They're like, they wrote like, a musical? Eight, listen to this. Who wrote a musical and then he won. they like, this is going
0: to be the Hamilton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but so, when they get united, it's it's this it's the unity of night and day, and man and woman, and the war of the sexes has ended. And I would almost like to see a, a prequel of the time before when it used to be united, because oh, the Queen sure. of Night used to be Pamina. Yeah. And when she and we don't get, I I have several theories about this, but Zoroastro's predecessor, who originally, in the text, is Pamina's father, yeah. who used to have the, who gave Zarastro the seal of the sun and instead of, this is a whole, it's all very mystical. And, sure. But they, they, her father and the queen used to be one, and they used to be united, and then he died and gave the seal to Zarastro and yeah. and she was like ah, no thank you and she went <laughs> off and formed the, the kingdom of the night I the see kingdom it, of the night I see
0: it almost as like or like the the little mermaid situation where like Ursula was like yeah Ursula and um uh, is his name Poseidon in this I don't know what is <laughs> trying,
2: I think you know? I don't I
0: have but
1: really like
0: well. she used to, they used to be together right. and then like he became like god of the sea and she was like I've got my cave like
1: <laughs> So, you're basically saying Little Mermaid is magic loot.
0: I mean, sure. <gasps> she gets her voice taken away, yes.
1: Oh no, it's the child of Silence. Yes. Oh bad. my gosh. So,
0: it's.
1: Well, and I, I have. I personally hold this my, my unconfirmed theory that I would Uh-oh. like to believe, that I actually think kind of spices up the story, was mm. that Zarastro is Pamina's father. Dun 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 mm, It's
0: it's the Ray in Star Wars. Situation. It's the it's, it's,
1: that's actually very true. It's the, who is Ray's father? Does it matter or is it Obi-Wan? Yeah. Like yeah. we may never know. JJ okay. J. Abrams may never tell us. Yeah. Um but it's I think that it gives him a little more humanity. Oh, absolutely. And It makes some of his arias a little more interesting, and you can play a little bit more with the text that he has, and, you know, you could just argue that, yes, he's becoming the father figure to her because Mm -hmm. he's admitting her into their world and getting them to get through the trials and all this, but if he actually is the father... (laughs) he Mori said. I was
0: about to say, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's bring in the DNA results
1: <laughs> magic flute Mori that's what I want to see wait
0: that would be rich that would be rich that would be good we gotta get on that cable <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> but then you gotta then it's gonna be like the Papagano Papagano they come they, they come back in after having 25 kids and it's like which one of them are Papagano's and like <laughs> but I would. I like to think that that Zoroastro has that because then you can just I mean, it's not crazy to think of that, too.
0: No, it's it's really not. I feel like it's I'm not... It's totally feasible. I feel like I'm
1: not totally crazy. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, sort of crazy.
0: Oh! Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your confidence. No, 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 no. I totally get what you're saying, no. though. Know, and also, it's... This whole business with... In the, in the original text, for all our our listeners who've hung with us this whole time, uh, there's this, this business with the seal of the sun, as I previously mentioned, that is like the... It's the basically the crown of the kingdom of the light basically sure I think mm-hmm. and it was given to Zoroastro and there, there, there actually is German there's a whole scene where it's before the revenge aria mm-hmm. in act 2 where the queen is like Zoroastro has the seal of the sun around his neck and you must kill him and take yeah, it from him here's a knife girl and here's a knife to go kill him and take the seal mm-hmm. exactly and that's actually the purpose by which she gives her the dagger to go obtain the power. Yeah. And it's and and killing's roster through that. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think it's so much meatier if you if he's the father Oh, yeah. and then it's just a really bad divorce <laughs> and with some really oh, high no. stakes. Oh no. <laughs> or or because oftentimes People cut the dialogues a lot, which, to be fair, is understandable in our current day and age with opera, which we can also have a whole episode about
0: well the same the same production that I was talking about, not so with the
1: rough ladies, yeah,
0: with the rough ladies, yeah, um they literally had no dialogue in between monthes's aria and and the revenge aria it, it and
1: went for for context for for people, but monotes's aria is right before it's in act two when he's lamenting yeah. his being in the original text, it's the Moor, yeah. but in certain texts, it's like by being an outcast yeah. or the villain, and mm-hmm. he wants to obey, he wants to rape Pamina. And
0: yeah, Pamina's sleeping, and he comes up to her, and then what happens in in standard productions is that the queen comes in, sees him, and is like, "Dude, stop, get out, you nasty!" And, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, and and Pamina wakes up and is like, "Mom." Um. <laughs>
2: More specifically
0: mutta. Yeah Um, And she's like Okay cool You need to kill Zoroastro <laughs> yeah. But
1: sometimes we don't get that You're right But
0: sometimes we don't get that And in this production It literally was like Monasterius comes in Sings like Ooh Pamina And then runs off And then you just No context <speaks in> dum dum Yeah Without anything Without anything to spark her anger or any explanation of, like, here's this knife, you need to go kill Zarostro And it was
1: infuriating. Right. And you got no business about this seal of the sun, you got no idea what's going on, and then the confusion from many people is warranted when the cuts are so frequent. Yeah. And, but then this is also a thing that in my, the theory that I hold, I think that it sort of solves that issue, Mm -hmm. where it's like we just got ourselves a nasty divorce on our hands. <laughs> and, like, they're both king and queen, and, like, she's, you know, she wants to take the power, but you don't need to specify it's the seal of the sun, and it's this mystical right. item. It's like the... It's, you don't need to go on a quest to get the seal, and it's...
0: <laughs> We're not trying to do the Lord of the Rings Exactly. Here, yeah. Which,
1: ooh, how is that not an opera yet? Mm, yeah. Copyright, probably. Mm, yeah it's probably owned by Disney somehow. (laughs) I mean, what is it? Yeah. Oh, no. The Magic flute, thankfully. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I don't know if Nintendo heard about this production of Mario Magic (laughs) Flute.
0: Oh, they're getting on it. Oh, they're getting on it.
1: (laughs) But I think that, um, yeah, there's... I think it's perfectly okay to make cuts as long as you just still make it make sense.
0: Yeah. That's the same for any opera. I mean, like, you don't... Like, you need to make the opera shorter. And in our figure episode, we'll talk a lot about sort of the cuts that we're doing. Um, But you need to, especially for collegiate productions or for productions that are, like, for children's performances or things like that, you need to make it cut. Because yes. people are not trying to sit in the theater for three and a half hours. Well,
1: have I told you, I think I may have mentioned my actual, to this day, and probably till the day I die, favorite magic flute that I ever saw. Which was? The South African Opera Company. Whoa. Oh, there was... Fabulous. I'm unfortunately blanking on the name of the company right now, but it was a touring South African company okay. that was going up internationally, performing this in English, too, which I didn't think I would enjoy because the translated English in opera stuff
0: mm, yeah. isn't
1: very graceful.
0: We'll get into it in another episode. Yes. But there's like one opera that I only really like in English there's, from translated language. There's only yeah, there's
1: very few. There's like one or there's two. There's like one or two like Carmen in English don't work so hot. <laughs> it, Be guarded. It, exactly. <laughs> it's it's it just it but with Magic Flute Also, it doesn't really work great. No. And even going from the German, there are similar languages, structures, sometimes. I think it's
0: something that's just so innately, culturally Austrian and German that it's like it's almost blasphemous if you take it out of its language. Almost,
1: yeah. And so I thought that I would really not like this production. And I went into this... I was in L.A. I, I can't remember... The name is this company, I'll have to look it up, but it, there's still previews of this on YouTube when they did the tour. I think it must have been something like eight years ago now. And they, in English, cut it up, I think it was in one act. No, it may, it may have been an inter- intermission. One act. But it was, yeah. But it wasn't that long. Okay. Um, and they made lots of internal cuts. So they would hit the beginning of a number, they would do maybe one verse. Or, sure. You know, the sort of propaganda things where he has basically songs. Not
0: Mozart if he does not sing it twice. Exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but maybe not three times. Sure. Um, so there were lots of cuts like that, and, but they still had the three spirits, had the three ladies, they had the Zoroastro. But what was great about it was, well, many things, but it was South African context. Cool. So these temples of wisdom were, basically, it was basically a township okay. outside of Johannesburg, basically Soweto. And your Zoroastro type uh, was Nelson Mandela ish not specified but very clearly sure implied implying Mm -hmm. the leader of that community Mm -hmm. and then the queen of the night they didn't make it quite as stark contrast to like the to the other side of that in South Africa but it was the queen of the night and you had this incredible instrumentation of this that was all marimba's
2: Okay.
1: It was like ten or twelve marimbas split along the sides of the stage.
2: Ooh. On this
1: raked stage going up it was like not a pretty high, not a very high stage, but it was raked and there were it was there were a flat there were platforms on either side with the, with marimbas yeah. which the chorus and leads of the show jumped in and out of playing oh, the parts to from memory the whole show.
0: That's amazing. It was so crazy. Wait, that's so good. It's,
1: yeah, right. Oh
0: And my so they, gosh. of course
1: they like they start they had this South African traditional dancing in it for the chorus parts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they had oh and the during Terminos flute aria in Act One they had a guy at the top of the stage with a trumpet, which I didn't even make this. I didn't have this idea, but, like, it's a magic flute, so it doesn't need to sound like a flute. It's sure. magical. So, yeah, the flute sounds like a trumpet.
0: That's totally fine like, with us.
1: I was just so on board with it. Wait,
0: that's so cool. It was
1: such a party. I highly recommend anyone to look up this Magic Flute South Africa opera company. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but looking something like that up on YouTube, and you will definitely find this preview of it. It is so worth just exploring a video of it for a couple minutes on YouTube. It's such a weird thing that I didn't think I would like, but I absolutely was here for.
0: That sounds so cool. Yeah,
1: and it also goes to show that, like, that non-traditional productions can work.
0: Yeah, totally. And it should,
1: and I mm-hmm. think especially, especially with comedy, of which I consider Magic Flute. Oh, um, entirely so. Exactly, because it mm-hmm. is a sing-spiel, and yeah. it's for the people. Mm-hmm. It It is a comedy, and it... Comedy doesn't necessarily have to always be antiquated.
2: Mm-mm. And putting
1: it in a setting that you live in now, we're doing, when we talk about Figaro, another Figaro plug, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing it in a modern context. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what we do with it. And it's just, it, it is an experiment that I think a lot of people should be willing to have with comedy, especially. It's a little tougher with drama, because it's just sometimes in isolation, you know, you're not going to see... Any Goetheanerongs in a Walgreens? But <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> we'll spend many an episode for the mm-hmm. yes. Wagner content. No, oh, I'm so ready later on. But I think
0: I think that's that about it wraps for today. It up for us.
1: episode one of Symphony Podcastique. that's it. Tune in next time where we'll figure out what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening.